Would you go to 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, with me, please? 1 Corinthians 3. Last time I was with you, we were talking about the God of increase. And I uh, feel like we still have some yet to, to cover on that. And the Lord keeps taking me back to something I thought I would touch on one time and then move on. He keeps taking me back to it, back to it, and I, I'll talk about it in a minute as to why. First Corinthians three six. He said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Everybody say God gave the increase. He said, then neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that gives the increase. Did you know that God is the God of increase? Not the God of staying the same. Not the God of decrease. But he is the God of more. Isn't he? Is an increase more? Yes. More. In uh, Psalm, you don't have to turn there, they'll put it on the screen. Psalm 115, 12, we, we quote this almost every Sunday. Psalm 115, 12. He said, the Lord's been mindful of us. The Lord ever think about you? Yes. This said he does. He will, what was he thinking about when he's thinking about you? He will bless us. He's thinking about blessing you. He will bless the house of Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. Keep going. He'll bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. Well, that's all of us. Keep going. The Lord shall increase you more and more, you and your children. That's right. You believe that or not? We just got through saying it, didn't we? Didn't we? Yes. Said out, said out loud again. The Lord shall. The Lord shall increase us. Increase us more and more. More and more. Is that a good thing? Oh, yes, yeah. it is. Us and our children. Us and our children. He'll do what? Increase. Do what? Increase us. Decrease? No. Increase. No. <laughs> Put you through hard times? No. No. Increase. Yes. Increase. Increase. Not decrease. Increase. More and more. See, it, it, it's not a, a one and done. Huh? It's increased this week. Then what's on the agenda for next week? Increase. More. More and more. And then a month from now, what's on the agenda? More. And then what else? More and more. And more. You and your kiddies. That's right. Verse 15, you are blessed of the Lord. Well, that is. Doesn't that sound blessed? Yeah. Increase more and more. You're blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Thanks be to God. Now, this kind of talk, the devil absolutely hates. Oh, he hates it. And sadly... The enemy has influenced uh, religious groups big time. 
so that people actually, churches and ministers, fight against this kind of thinking. I think, well, now just hold on, just hold on now. <laughs> you know, just like the song says, I don't want any of this old world's goods. I'll take them. I'll take yours then. You say, well, see there, you're a greedy rascal. You don't have to be greedy. I didn't say I was going to keep it all. But I can do more with it. The more I have, the more I can do. The more I have, the more I can give. And I know that God did not tell me to take a vow of poverty so I could be holy. I know some people think that you will not find it anywhere in this body. No. The problem is not money and stuff. The problem is loving it. Covetousness is what the, that is a problem. It's a big problem. But you can love money and have none. You can just daydream night and day about what you could do if you had money. And you can lust after what other people have. And, well, if you can love it and not have it, you could have it and not love it. Right? Right? Right. People say, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible said. It did not say that. It said the love of money. That's right. That's right. The love of money. Is the root of all kinds of evil. Uh, go with me if you would. Uh, you will, won't you? <laughs> to Mark the 14th chapter. Mark chapter 14. This is the passage that I said uh, I thought I would deal with this one time in the beginning. But as you, if you've been around, you know I've gone back to it two or three times since then. And here I am again today going back to it again. And it's this passage of the uh, woman's gift of the alabaster box of ointment. And uh, the Lord keeps bringing me back to it, and I'm seeing more why. In Mark 14 and 3, Mark 14, 3, Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Now that indicates that he had been healed. Elsewise, they couldn't, according to the law, albeit his house. But he was, everybody knew he was a leper, but not anymore. He said at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious. Now, this alabaster box was a thin, translucent stone box that was sturdy enough that you could seal it. And it lasts for years and years and years, but also uh, fragile enough that you'd hit it against something, you could break it. It was translucent stone. And the, uh, in those days, um, spices and ointments were traded like money, like uh, gold, coin, and silver. Because, as you can imagine, before the advent of of cargo ships and cargo planes and all that, getting this kind of thing from a thousand miles away, big deal, right? Well, that drives the price, right, into the stratosphere. 
And we know from the rest of the passage, this was, it says, very precious, very costly, very expensive. And she broke the box. And, of course, once you break the box, the seal's broken. It's all coming out. You can't gather it back up. So it's a one-done thing. And poured it on the master's head. And keep going, verse 4. And if you read the other accounts, it said the, the fragrance just filled the place. Well, it would. And it was something that you wouldn't normally smell. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was heady. Now, can you, can you imagine, understand that these are types of things. This is a beautiful thing. It's affected the whole environment. And there's always somebody around <laughs> who wants to rain on the parade. The woman's having a good time. Jesus having a good time. And here, these, here this comes up. There were some that had indignation within themselves. Indignation means they were really displeased, really upset, aggravated, angry, upset. And they said, why was the waste of this ointment made? Everybody say waste. Waste. It might have been sold for more than 300 pence. This would have been almost a year's wages. So depending on what you're getting paid. Probably at least $30,000. Maybe 40, maybe 50, I don't know. Three quarters of a year wages or something. This could have been sold for $40,000 and given to the poor. And Jesus said, yes, woman, hadn't I taught y'all better than this? <laughs> we were somewhere a while back and somebody uh, had asked Mike about this and this phrase that this could have been sold. They didn't know it was it was in the Bible like this, but. That, that could be sold and given to the poor. And uh, Mike brought up, you know, because we've talked about this, uh, that that is a quote from the Bible. But did you know who said it? And they're like, well, Jesus. He said, no. Judas. <laughs> Judas said it. Now, the reason I can see the Lord keeps bringing us back to this, because I'm well convinced Probably more of the church-going people today agree with Judas on this than they do Jesus. And the enemy has infiltrated the church with wrong thinking. They think it sounds right. Judas was the one, if you read John 12 and I think it's Matthew 26, the other places where this account is, uh, it says specifically that Judas is the one who said that. But then the other disciples said, yeah. They got caught up in it. I want you to say it out loud just by faith. I don't agree with Judas on this. I agree with Jesus 
Judas said it was a waste. You could have helped people in need with this. You see, how does that sound to your ears? You could have helped people. You could have fed people with this. You know how many people you could have fed with $40,000? You know how many people hurting? Starving? But that is the enemy. Well, I lost somebody right there. The enemy is the one who tries to shame you. Guilt you. Not God. But see, so many religious groups, that's, that's half of what they do is shame you. Guilt you. You should be ashamed. You know, here you, you threw away half of that plate of casserole. And there's people starving on the other side. Well, me overeating is not going to help them. <laughs> Now, y'all laughing, but how many of you grew up that way? Oh, yeah. Somebody told you, clean your plate, boy. People starving over there. That is not God. But see, people have linked that. They think, well, yeah, that's religious. And so, yeah, that's how God thinks. It is not how God thinks at all. It is contrary to how God has revealed himself in the Word. And I can see why the excuse me why why the Lord rather keeps bringing me back to this because this Judas mentality has been so ingrained in the church it just people don't realize who they have sided with on this. But I intend to embrace the truth, and the truth will make you free. Not necessarily popular, <laughs> but but free. I'd rather be free than popular. How about you? How about you? I'd rather agree with God than to have all the religious people pat me on the back. You? Well... Uh, now, there's a reason why I'm saying this, because you embrace this like you should, there'll be some people that won't like it. Right. And you'll, you'll get some persecution yeah. and some kickback. Yeah. But that's a good sign, because right. they persecuted Jesus right. and the disciples and the apostles, so you're in good company. Yeah. Some had indignation, verse 4, and they said, why was this waste? Now, that word waste means loss. Basically, you threw it away. It was $30,000, $40,000. You just blew it. You just threw it away. But here's the problem. Wasted on who? Wasted on Jesus, the Master. That don't sound right. Why was this waste of the ointment made? It might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. Now, if you read John's account, it adds, because it says that Judas is the one who said this. He was the chief speaker on this. And then immediately said, this he said, not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief 
and carried the money bag and pilfered and embezzled what was in it. He, he, this had nothing to do with helping the poor. He wanted, yeah, helping himself. <laughs> he, he wanted to get the money in the bag so he could get access to it. And that's what you'll find with these folks. People, oh, they scoff, they mock, they say, that just makes me sick. That just makes me sick. If I had that money, if I, yeah, did you hear that? <laughs> They're coveting their money and their stuff. And if you want to really shake them, you go, well, how much do you give to the poor? Because if you really care about helping people in need, you don't go around judging other people for what they're doing or not doing. You do something. You get involved and you do something. And other people, what they do or don't do, that's their business. That's between them and God. And this was this woman's property. Had nothing to do with Judas or these other guys. It's her box of ointment. She can do what she wants to with it. So just showing some simple respect would be keep your mouth shut. Ain't your box. Right? When you get your $40,000 box, you can do what you want to with it. And we'll hide around the corner and watch and see how many people you help with your box. See, people are hypocrites about this stuff. They do not do what they say you should do. So something's really off with all this. Can you see why the Lord keeps bringing us back to this? Because this stuff is ingrained in the church. People nod their head. That's what happened with these guys. Judas got up and said this. And three verses later, it says he went to the priest and asked them how much they would pay him to betray Jesus. That's where he was, why he said that. But they got caught up in it. They went, yeah, what a waste. Now here's the thing. What's, what's the woman saying by her action? The, I, would, I would guess this was the most valuable thing she had, be my guess. And who knows, uh, you know, writings say that sometimes these things were passed down from grandmother to mother to daughter. It could have been in the family for a couple of generations. I don't know, kind of an a heirloom. What's she saying when she comes in there with that box? Huh? And she says, excuse me, Jesus, excuse me, everybody, people who saw this knew it, this is money. This is high level. So they saw that translucent box and she cracks it and gives it all to him. What's she saying with that action? This, yeah, this is costly, but you're more valuable to me I don't hesitate to break this and, and, and put this on you if you just enjoy it for a few minutes it's well worth every dollar huh isn't that what she's saying you Jesus are worth far more to me than this 
But now in contrast, what was Judah saying? What a, what a waste. What's he saying? This money is worth more than something for you. You're not worth this. And the disciples did not realize what wagon they jumped on when they said, yeah, that's right. In essence, they were saying, yeah, Jesus ain't worth 40000 Now, and you're not just saying Jesus because many of them did not see that he was the Messiah. They saw him as a man of God, a prophet. They saw him as their minister. They saw him as the word coming out of him. So to them, to the woman, it's honoring uh, God's uh, ministry to them. It's honoring the word coming through them. And Notice what Jesus said about this. He said, verse 6, let her alone. Mm -hmm. Wonder what he'd say to people today that talk like this. What is it to you? Leave them alone. Why trouble you her? She has wrought a good work on me. People say we we should do good works with our money. Jesus said this is a good work. It didn't feed anybody. It didn't get the gospel to anybody. It didn't house anybody, clothe anybody. But Jesus said, it's a good work. It's a good work. Why? Because it honored God. It honored the Master. It honored the Word. It showed a valuing. She wrought a good work on me. Verse 7. You've got the poor with you always. And whenever you will, you can do them good. But me, you don't have always. And that's true with all of our elders and gifts and people that God's put in our life. He's saying, you want to help the poor? Do it anytime you want to. But you leave her alone. What she's done is a good thing. Valuable, precious thing. He went on to say, she has done what she could. She came aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. She didn't know that. She's just being led by the Spirit. He said, verily I say to you, wherever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. That was over there in the Middle East. Now, 2023, all the way over here in Florida, USA, all these years later, we're still talking about this woman's alabaster box. And you will hear about this everywhere the gospel is preached as long as there's life down here on this planet. Somebody say glory to God. So was it wasted? Was it money well spent? Well well spent. We're still talking about that. I reckon one of these days when we get to glory, we will meet the woman. Is that right? What you going to tell her? Good job. You're going to say, you're going to say, sister, (laughs) you knew your business, didn't you? (laughs) You, hmm. You helped us. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, 
Wherever this gospel is preached through the whole world, what she has done will be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now look at the very next verse. Very next verse. And Judas Iscariot, one that's got upset about it the most, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. Why? Because money had become more valuable to him than Jesus. That's why he treated the woman the way he did. A lot of times there's some ugly stuff behind people saying, Oh, you wasted that. That should have been done this. Oh, there's some ugly stuff they are revealing about their self. Because if you don't care about money, you don't get upset about money. No matter what anybody else does with it. And the more upset you get about it, when it's not yours, and you got nothing to do with it, shows you love you some money. You love it. You love it so much, you're overly concerned about other people's money. And what they're doing or not doing with their money. When it's zero of your business. Said out loud, I don't love money. I don't love things. I love God. I love His people. I love His Word. I love His Holy Spirit. I don't love money. You got to have some. You got to have some stuff, but you don't have to love it. I changed my words a number of years ago. Uh, about referring to th- to things and food and, and houses and all that kind of stuff. Love is too strong a word to use for it. I don't love my car. I don't love a house. I don't love things or clothes. I don't love apple pie or pizza. People say, what's wrong with that? Your words matter. Your words are important. You can say, I like it, I enjoy it, but no, not love. Love's too strong. I love God, and I love people, not things. And it'll help you just to get it right in your mouth. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, "Thank thank you, Lord. 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 My mind renewal is going on. Go go to Luke, the 16th chapter, please. Luke chapter 16. Luke 16, 12. Says if you Jesus said, if you've not been faithful. And that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. Can't do it. Can't be done. Either you'll hate one and love the other. Why? Because if you try to do it, it's going to be an irritation to you and frustration with you. And at some point, you've got to make a choice. You'll hate one, love the other. You'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is money and things and stuff personified. 
as a God. And you can serve, I mean, there's millions of people serve money. Their lives are controlled and directed by it. And they love things. But you can't serve God and the money stuff God. Keep going. The Pharisees, who were what? Now these are the the top religious leaders of the country. And the Pharisees were the most supposed to be the most strict adherents to the scriptures, to the law of anybody. They were known for their strict adherence to the scriptures, and yet they were what? Covetous. Putting on a robe and a collar doesn't make you right. Putting reverend in the front of your name doesn't make you holy. Hmm? It's all about your heart. And these guys are covetous. What does that mean? It means they think too much about the offering. They look too much at who's coming and who, if they can get the rich people involved. and They just think, think about it all the time, talk about it, and long for it. They heard these things and they jumped on Jesus. Why? It's too close to home. He's teaching and preaching, showed up this in their life, and uh, they derided him. Of course, that's a mistake. He wasn't calling their name so far. <laughs> a lot of times you're better off keeping your mouth shut. You know? And if things get really close to you in the service of the Spirit of God, talking about, talking about things that deal with you, you just look straight ahead and smile and go, Amen. That's right, Brother Keith, somebody needs this. And then when you get home by yourself, fall across the bed and go, Oh, God, it's me. It's me, oh, Lord. <laughs> What's that standing in the need of prayer? Oh, huh? But you can do that privately in the comfort of your home. <laughs> the Pharisees were covetous. They heard these things. They derided him. And he said, well, okay, you want to talk about this? You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what's highly esteemed, or we could say valued, among men is abomination in the sight of God. The Young's literal said the Pharisees, instead of saying covetous, it said they were lovers of money. We're talking about two very different value systems. What you value. What you value. The woman with the box, alabaster box, she showed she valued Jesus far more than this. Judas showed not only did he value the money more than Jesus, that was like $30,000. He went and sold out for 30 tiny little pieces of silver that might not have amounted to any more than $300. Of course, now you could buy more with 300 back then than you can today, but he got a little piece of land, not a farm, not a ranch, and it wasn't even a nice piece of land. They turned it into a despised thing after he was gone. Tiny little piece of land, and and, and the prophet prophesied about that, what was it, Zechariah, and said, uh, uh, 
give me my price. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Man, this was hundreds of years before this happened. And he said, look at this goodly price that they valued me at. And he threw it in the, at the uh, treasury. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Treated him like nothing. Like he had no value. Now this, this gets really serious here. This is the sin that will send you to hell. I know that's a strong word, but it's absolutely the truth. What do you mean? Treating Jesus like he's nothing. Treating the blood of the covenant like it's nothing. Just human blood. Somebody got crucified a long time ago. Yeah, a lot of stuff happened a long time ago. You treat Jesus like he's nothing, you will be lost. It's sad, but it's not my choice. It's not God's choice. It's your choice. But I, for one, I see two, three, four, five, ten. We for us, we hold our Jesus in the highest. Is that right? Highest value. You know, you notice how many times the scripture says, like you in, in, in Revelation, where you hear the, the, the elders or different ones or the saints praising, and they'd say, Worthy! Worthy! Well, you take the, the Y off the end, what is that? Worth. Worth. What is that? Nobody worth more than God. Is that right? Nothing worth more than the precious blood. Of the, of the spotless Lamb of God. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. You can't spend too much money on the gospel, on the things of God, on getting the word to people, on building the church. You can't waste money on it if it accomplished the will of God. You couldn't spend too much because the value of money compared to that is so low compared to so high. Listen to uh, Psalm 49. You don't have to turn there, but Psalm 49, 6. It says, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious. You could also translate it costly. And it ceases forever. What, what, is it, what does that mean? The value of an AA soul. Let, let me read this to you from the NIV. It says the ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. The Living Bible says, a soul is far too precious to be ransomed by mere earthly wealth. There is not enough of it in all the earth to buy eternal life for just one soul to keep it out of hell. There's not enough trillions to pay redemption price for one soul. Why? Because money is just not worth that much compared to that. People think it is. 
It's so sad. People will kill folks on the street for $20. But it's because they're so, so ignorant and in so much darkness about what's valuable and what's not. There was only one thing. In all time and eternity, in all the universe, there was only one thing valuable enough, valuable enough, worth enough to buy your soul and my soul and get us redemption. The Bible said in Peter, you are not redeemed by corruptible things like silver and gold, but by the precious blood. Precious blood of Jesus. And he paid it. He paid his own blood. He let himself be crucified. He let it come out of his body. They pierced him. The thorns, the scourging, the spear, the, the spikes. And he bled and that blood came out. And that blood was paying. Paying and buying your life and mine. Thank you, Lord. Your soul and mine. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to share something with you that to me is is a life-changing truth and revelation. And I just the Lord just spoke this to me last week. It's interesting. I'd be immersed in that flight training. And and go lay my head down, and I got all these numbers in my place. And all at once, the Lord would say, "Look at this," <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be something to share with you today. Because that's more important, yeah. right, than any of these other things. I know. Uh, uh, y'all have seen this uh, commercial on TV. L'Oreal, with the hair color. Yeah, and the slogan is, I'm worth it. Anybody know know what? Some of you looking at me strange. It's it's advertisement. L'Oreal is a beauty cosmetic company. And um, they make, among other things, hair color. And um, you'd see, this goes back to the 70s at least, that... that, um, (laughs) <laughs> that uh, these actresses would go, you know, they'd have this nice looking hair and, and they're saying they went for the better hair color because I'm worth it. I'm worth it. And I don't know, this is back in the 80s or 90s or something. I asked Phyllis, I said, well, how much does that cost? You know, and she said, you know, $12. Back then it was, I think it's twelve fifteen now. But back then it was like four dollars, something, something, you know. I said, "Well, yeah, you're worth that for sure." And <laughs> boom, I got a punch in the. Uh... <laughs> but but why am I saying that? I, I'm worth it. They said, I'm worth it. And the Lord quickened to me that when it comes to any of the blessings and benefits of God, it's all by grace. 
which means uh, you can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't merit it. And so truly, whether it's salvation, being born again, being filled with the Spirit, a healing, having a prayer answered, your baby's being healed, your bill's being paid, you don't deserve it. But you are worth it. Oh, come on, did you hear that? That's the thing the Lord pointed out to me. You don't deserve it. And you need to be clear on that. But from his standpoint, you are a good investment. Right? He did not waste his blood on you. You're worth it. You don't deserve it, but you're worth it. And all the things that he does, he counts you worth it. You are valuable. You and I are the apple of his eye. We are precious to him. So should he be precious to us in front of other people? Not care who sees or knows. Right? That he's first. Number one. And there's there's no amount too great for us to spend. There's no amount of effort too much for us to make. Right? For him? After what he paid for us? We can't pay him back. We're not trying to pay him back. We don't deserve it. We could never earn it. But look at your neighbor. Come on. Say, I'm worth it. I'm worth it. Oh, somebody say, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm worth it. Brother Hagin, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr., uh, he tells him an experience that he had in God to where he heard a voice that said, come up, come up. And he said he left and he came up before God. And he said he saw the master. He described him, his height, color of his hair. And he said somebody said, what was the most, uh, you know, interesting feature? But he said his eyes, his eyes. He said uh, it didn't adequately describe it, but he said they looked like pools of living love, his eyes. He said it looked like you could look into them miles deep. And he said he had been standing there, uh, uh, and, and, he, and he looked at the Lord. And he said when he did, he was just overwhelmed. He's overcome, and he fell on his face. And he put his hands by where his feet was, and he noticed the, the, the imprint of the spike on his feet. And he said, Lord, nobody as unworthy as I should look on your face. And you would feel that way in the presence of such holiness and such awesomeness. But he said, the master said, stand up. Stand up right on your feet. And I guess he didn't think about not doing it. Up, up he comes. And he said, he kind of stood there trembling. He said, the Lord looked at him and said, I have made you worthy. Is that true? What what does worthy mean? You are worth it. You are. You don't deserve it, but you are. I have made you worthy. Did he? 
Did he make us holy with his own holiness? Make us righteous with his own righteousness? Make us acceptable with God by the sacrifice of his own self? Did he do it? Did he do it? Then you could never earn it. I could never earn it. But we have been made. Made. Righteous, holy, acceptable. Made. Worthy. He said, stand up. And he stood up. He said, I've made you worthy to look on my face. One of these days, it won't be too long. You and I are going to be around the throne. That's close to the Almighty. We're going to be able to look on him. We're going to be able to worship with the vast throne. How many think just being there is a big deal? Huh? And in your natural mind, you think, well, who am I to be there? Well, you were nobody until until he paid the price for you. Woo! And God's not dumb. He doesn't pay a billion dollars for a three dollar item. Huh? And if he said they're worth it, then they're worth it. And we may not look like it now, but in time to come, we're going to shine like the stars, the Bible said. We, we've already grown in just a few years on the earth. Imagine what kind of progress and development we can make outside of sin and curse and the frailty of the physical humanity, you know, uh, the body that's dying, that you and I can just soar with him and we will become what he's made us to be and we'll look like it eventually the sons of the living God but we will never forget we didn't get ourselves here huh we had no chance of getting ourselves here he made me worth it somebody say I'm worth it because he made me Worth it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I'm talking about worth more than twelve ninety-five. Woo! Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and stand up on your feet.